Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You dirty animal! I've been in the danger zone. We've only just begun. Is this a human talking? Because you sound like a robot. I am. I'm kind of like a robot. I, I'm not. I wouldn't be mad if you sounded like a robot. I would think that was incredible. Uh, it can go for over a thousand dollars a pound. That's you was really being ripped off. I can get you that much. Well, it, 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 not necessarily. producer of this program, I look forward to once again serve you those conscious coma-inducing vibrations. We are here on Saturday nights at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time Live, and back on the TuneIn Radio app. Remember, if you do plan to give us a call, go to a quiet location, turn off whatever device you are using to listen to this program, or else... There will be something called feedback. You can't have that now. The number for those brave souls out there is 760-332-8724. Let's hear those sweet little voices. 760-332-8947 or 760-332-8724. And if you do have Skype, go ahead and add me. That's end of days, Mike, with the letter Y and not the letter I. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show. A place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Joining me tonight will be Michael Cremo. 
Michael Cremo is an international authority and speaker on archaeological anomalies and extreme human antiquity. He has been featured on hundreds of media interviews. He has also appeared on Ancient Aliens. He is a best-selling author and researcher specializing in the history and philosophy of science. He is a member of the World Archaeological Congress. His books include The Forbidden Archaeology and The Hidden History of the Human Race, The Forbidden Archaeologist, and My Science, My Religion. Too excited. And it's not the first time I've had him here on the program. I've had him on here before under a different banner. I'm sure many of you know that by now. He's been here how many times now? Once or twice? Then on the second half of the break, I have a couple of emails I wanted to answer. I have a few things I wanted to talk about. However, I do invite you to join me on the second half. I will be more than happy to talk to you. And for better or for worse, another segment that might go away after tonight, so don't miss this one. The second half is going to be a good one. Now don't be scared to call in. I won't hurt you. It's just little old me. You guys are so funny. I can't say that now. You guys are going to get me in trouble. I swear, every time I do these intros here, it seems like there's some sort of competition going on to see who makes me laugh first. And you guys are so bad. Showing me those photos, wow. This chat is giving me issues. What's going on in the chat room there? The second segment here is going to be pretty fantastic. It's going to be pretty tasteless at times. I do warn you. Don't miss the second half of the show. And don't be scared to call in. I won't hurt you. It's just little old me out here in the desert. Don't worry. Don't worry. As I said, I've had Michael here in the past. And I've enjoyed our conversations many times. This will definitely be fun as always. We will be discussing things such as human origins, suppression, consciousness, and of course reincarnation. All sorts of things that come to mind. Who is out there that we can trust during all this suppression going on? So much more coming up here. So once again, thank you for being here tonight, allowing me into your minds and of course into your hearts. Here I finally am on another night like this. I missed all of you out there. Here we meet again under pale moonlight. It's been fun, really. I did miss all of you out there. I know some of you heard me on Tuesday afternoon. I really do appreciate you spending your evening with me here on this program. It's always great knowing you're out there somewhere listening to this live. I know not everyone can, unfortunately, listen to this. Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting kicked out of the chat room now. That's not good. So yes, I know not everyone can listen to this live. I get those emails all the time. And I've been flirting with the idea of doing certain shows at a different time. Of course, to please those East Coasters out there. Tuesday, December 20th at 6.30 p.m., Ibby joins me for a Christmas edition of this program. All are welcome to join in. I definitely hope some of you can call in and say hello. I always appreciate another voice here. So, here we are together again. For those who are new in attendance, let me take a moment to reintroduce myself to you. My name is Michael, and I am the host and producer of this great program. And of course, I'm not a right-wing wacko or a convicted felon, and I'm thrilled you can be here. I hope you enjoy your stay. Hold on one second. I need to clear my throat here. There we go. Thank you for that. 
A popular question I get asked here lately is, will you be taking calls? Let me remind you out there that you can call into the show anytime you want. It's it's totally fine. I just ask that you wait until I'm finished doing the whole guest intro. Then you can call in, put a halt to the show. It's all good. I'm always down to talk to all of you out there. Go ahead and call in whenever. It's all good. That's one of the complaints I would hear a while back before, that I was allowing you to talk a little too much, I guess. Well, this is a call-in show, so don't be scared to call in anytime that red button is on. It's an open invite to jump in here, for better or for worse. I even invite those who dislike me to call into the program. That's always a good time. I know they won't, however. That makes me sad. I wish you would call in, though. That'd be fun. Now, what a great night it is out here. The weather is finally just right. For those who don't know, I'm out here in the desert. It's usually hot as hell. But this time, it's actually okay. For some of you out there, it's snowing. I feel bad. The snow sucks. I'd freeze out there. I'd turn into an ice cube. Not the rapper, of course. But yes, let me remind you that I was conceived in Las Vegas. So I was designed for a hotter environment. I don't really try to deny that aspect of my life. So I hope all of you out there are warm somehow. Very warm out there. Also, let me remind you that there has been a website change. The new address is endofdaysradio.org or endofdaysmichael.org. That will send you to the same site, essentially. Same place, same thing. Don't worry. And, of course, if you, if you go there on the website, you'll get all the information you need there to follow the program. Of course, I'm not on iTunes or Stitcher yet. Don't worry. That's coming, too. Don't worry. I know I've been saying that now for the past couple shows, but I have been doing the the daily grind of life. You know how that goes. I don't have that much time to work on this website, unfortunately. That's the bad thing. Also, I, I do want to remind all of you out there that there's been a number of funny impersonations of myself and of others and of, of, of a few guests, too. I also want to say go ahead and... Send in those impersonations of me or of others out there. Those are always fun to listen to. I enjoy those so much. It always warms my little black heart. So send those to michaelendofdays at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. So tonight, we got a little bit of a rattlesnake here again. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully, Michael Cremo joins us here tonight. If not, we might have to go to Plan B. And plan B is bad, folks. Some of you are going to be very offended once we go to plan B. Of course, plan B is to talk about the second half first. Ooh, deadly, I'm telling you. Some of you are going to get mad. That's going to draw some heat for sure. So, endofdaysmichael.org or endofdaysradio.org. Pick whichever you want. So, of course, moving along to the news here. Before we bring on Michael Cremo, before I ring him up here, see what's going on with him, I did want to mention this. For those who don't know, Art Bell is suing Michael Savage. Can you believe that? I'm not a fan of Michael Savage, by the way. But I know he has a big audience out there. And of course, for those who don't know who Art Bell is, he's the host of Coast to Coast AM. Well, was at one time. And Art Bell 
is going to be suing Michael Savage pretty soon. Oh, actually, that's a, I don't even know if this is even going to make it to court. Will it? Who knows? We'll see what happens here. This is really interesting to me. But for those who don't know, Michael Savage said some pretty bad stuff about him. And, oh, I have a call here. Hold on one second. Hello, caller. Hello. Hey, what's going on? Hi, this is Vanessa. Oh, Vanessa, and, what's going on? Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I have an impression of you. You said we could call in if we have one. Oh, yes, I did. All right. Well, here it goes. Actually, you changed your intro today, so and now yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. it's it's not gonna go. But okay. Um, here go it ahead. goes. Go ahead. All right. All right. And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day. From all the way from the wastelands of California, from the desolate land of El Centro, my name is Michael, Master of Ceremonies, bringing you the truth no matter how bad it hurts. That's all I got. Thank you. That's not bad. Pretty good. Takes bow, yes. That, good job. I, I <laughs> appreciate you. that, by the way. All right. Well, love the show and love the chat room. The, yeah. You know, speaking of the chat room, I, I got booted off of that right now. Yeah, I couldn't log in. Is that what's going on? I don't know. I tried and I couldn't. Hmm. It kept saying nickname taken. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me right now. Yeah. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. You never know what's going to happen. No, it's always a mystery. Oh, well, it's actually... Wor- yes, I saw. I, I see that. All right. S- saw what you did there. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. No problem. Really appreciate that. No problem. <laughs> All Bye. Right. Bye-bye. You see, it wasn't that bad, right, folks? It wasn't that hard to do to call in here. I'm not going to get angry with anyone here. Anyways, back to this dark matter. Art Bell for sure is suing Michael Savage. Did any of you hear that? This goes back to September 25th on the quote-unquote Savage Nation. Of course, Art Bell believes he was making references to him and his wife. I don't even want to repeat what Michael Savage said. That's kind of mean. Pretty rude, too. Although, of course, Michael really didn't mention Art Bell by name. I'm sure many of you understood what he was alluding to. I still think that's pretty bad, though. Whatever you want to say about Art Bell, it's um kind of kind of bad when someone goes out there on the air and trashes you like that. So we'll see what happens. Pretty outrageous, right? And I understand Michael Savage is a pretty wealthy man himself. I believe Art Bell posted his lawyer's phone number on his Facebook page. I'm not sure if that was a good idea. That, however, has been removed. It's too bad, too, I was about to give that number a call. I'm pretty sure that number was going off the hook for a short time there. I'm sure most people probably forgot now. His lawyer, though, is a pretty heavy hitter. So, of course, I'm genuinely interested in this. And we're going to have to wait and find out what happens. See what goes on. Will Art Bell sue? I'm not sure if he has a case or not. What did Savage say? Well, maybe I'll just say... Maybe I'll just repeat what he said, rather. He said this. You say UFOs, you wind up in the Philippines with a 10-year-old hooker. And you are off the radio after a number of years. You can't do UFOs. And that's what Michael Savage said. Then he continued with, that's an inside, or that's an in-joke, by the way, for people who understand the business. That's what Michael Savage said. Pretty bad, right? What do you think? 
I wouldn't mess with Arbel either. I wouldn't mess with Michael Savage either. Both guys are very wealthy from my understanding. Definitely not someone to mess with. Also, for those out there in Florida, seems that medical marijuana sales could rival that of Colorado by 2020. So good news for those out there. I had a friend, well, I should say I do have a friend out there who lives in Colorado, and he was telling me how his closest friend, his ex-girlfriend, his family, they were telling him how he would have to come back to Southern California. He would never make it out there on his own. That's pretty bad to hear, right? I told him sometimes the closest people to you will be your biggest detractors. Sometimes they'll tear you down for sure. Your own family will do that. That's when I told him you should never listen to those outside perspectives. Those who don't see the world through your eyes. Never worry about those folks. Star, you don't care for Michael Savage? I don't blame you. Michael Savage kind of is, is a bit of a scumbag, in my opinion. My opinion, by the way. Not a fact, just an opinion, don't worry. By the way, did some of you see that that police officer out there in Nevada who shot that student who was who was uh, wielding a knife? Two knives, by the way. The hell was that kid doing out there with those knives? He looked like a video game character. I'm not sure if any of you saw that video. Just go to YouTube and look it up. Pretty wild stuff. I believe the family was pretty pissed off. I think they're going to be suing. Whatever the case is, uh, apparently he was being bullied at school. He was just trying to quote-unquote protect himself. I guess um, he's going to have part of his lung removed. And he's going to be expected to survive. That's pretty crazy. I've never seen anything like that before. Go ahead and look at that video, by the way. It's up on YouTube. I believe it's now time to get a hold of our first guest here. Hopefully he picks up this time. So hold on one second, folks. Let me see what's going on with our first guest here. Oh, I think I have him on mute here. Hold on one second. Hello. Hello, Michael. Yes. How are you? Fine. I was afraid I had you muted there. Yeah, when I picked up, I didn't hear anything. Oh, yes. Well, I'm glad you can be here tonight. I do thank you for being here. It's always a fun time to talk to you, sir. My pleasure. Yes, so let us begin here. Of course, I have talked to you in the past, but it was under a different banner. So, definitely hope we'll continue to have a great show regardless of what the name of this program is, as always. So, Michael, let's begin slowly here. Let's start from scratch. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm most known for my book, Forbidden Archaeology which deals with archaeological evidence for extreme human antiquity. Most scientists today believe that humans like us, anatomically modern humans, first appeared less than 200,000 years ago. And they would say before that time, there were no humans like us on Earth. So uh, many of the world's ancient religious traditions, ancient spiritual traditions speak of a much more ancient human present. I'm a student of the ancient Sanskrit writings of India, which tell of human populations going back many millions of years on earth. So I began to wonder, is there any truth 
to those accounts, or are they simply to be regarded as mythological invention? That's what got me looking into the history of archaeology. Because, you know, if you, if you look in the current textbooks of archaeology, you're not going to see any reports of evidence for extreme human antiquity. You're only going to see the reports of discoveries that support the dominant theories today. But I decided to look a little bit deeper to go beyond the textbooks and look into the original scientific reports published by archaeologists, geologists, and other scientists who are digging into the earth. And when I did that, I found numerous reports of archaeologists finding human bones, human artifacts, and human footprints going back many, many million of years. So I guess probably the way I was raised, my family background had something to do with my interest in these things. You know, my father was an intelligence officer in the United States Air Force. And, you know, that meant a couple of things for me as I was growing up. For one thing, it meant I was exposed to a lot of different cultures and places. Our family moved around quite a bit when I was growing up within the United States and abroad. And also, because my father was involved in the intelligence services, I became aware that there is such a thing as secret knowledge, hidden knowledge. Thing, there, there are things about this world that many people just are not aware of because you know, they don't have access to the complete set of facts upon which to make their decisions about important questions. Yes, yeah, so you were you were so, moving around quite a bit, so that was kind of a direct influence of all of that, correct? Yeah, I, I was, I was, I think because of those early experiences, I was open to influences from other cultures, other worldviews, and I was also uh, open to the idea that, well, we, through our official scientific and educational institutions, we might not be getting the complete picture. So, uh, and when I first encountered these descriptions of extreme human antiquity in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India, I I could see that they were completely different from the ideas that I'd learned from my teachers in high school and university. And I, I still, I was curious about whether or not they might be true. So that's what got me looking into the history of archaeology, and it's turned out to be a whole career for me, a lifelong mission. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about human origins really quickly here, Michael. You suggest that we are a lot older than what mainstream history teaches us. Yes, and that means that the current theories of human origins are not complete. Um, most scientists today believe that 
humans like us evolved from more primitive ape-like creatures by a process of evolution by natural selection. And they believe those primitive ape-like creatures evolved from primitive apes and monkeys who first appeared on Earth around 40 or 50 million years ago. And before that, uh, they think that uh, the mammals came from the reptiles and the reptiles came from the amphibians and the amphibians came from fish living in the water and yeah, the fish ultimately came from some single-celled organisms that uh, self-organized from chemicals a couple of billion years ago. So that's the standard picture that's you know presented in the textbooks, but yeah, the evidence that I've documented in my book, Forbidden Archaeology, contradicts that story. Uh, I've documented evidence for a human presence going back tens of millions, even hundreds of millions of years. So that means we need new explanations for human origins. And, you know, after people read my book, Forbidden Archaeology, they began asking me, a question similar to the one that you just asked about, well, you know, if you've got all this evidence that contradicts the current theories of human origins, then how do you think about the real story of our origin as a human species? And to answer that question, I wrote another book called Human Devolution, a Vedic alternative to Darwin's theory. Right. And I, I said that because my ideas are inspired by the ancient Sanskrit writings of India, which are collectively known as the Vedas. And what I proposed in that book, Human Devolution, that you know, before we even really ask the question, where did human beings come from, we should first of all ask the question, what is a human being? Right. Now, many scientists today are going to say that a human being or any other living organism is just a complex molecular machine, a machine made of molecules. In other words, we're purely material beings. <clears throat> and if you want to explain our origin, you just ex have to explain how the molecules came together to form the first single-cell organism and then how those single-celled organisms started turning into multicellular organisms and so on. And as far as our consciousness is concerned, you know, these scientists will say, well, what we call consciousness is produced by chemical reactions in the brain. And at the time of death, you know, when those chemical reactions stop, then there's no more consciousness, no more love, none of that. So it's it's a very materialistic, reductionistic view that we're being presented with through the education system and yes. scientific institutions. But I'm proposing something a little bit different, namely that consciousness has its own independent existence. It's not produced by chemicals in the brain. Consciousness is not produced by matter. So originally, I would say we're all beings of pure consciousness and that pure
conscious self has somehow or other come into contact with the world of matter. And when the conscious self enters the world of matter, it needs a vehicle made of matter in which to function on this level of reality. So our human body and all other plant and animal bodies are vehicles Correct, for yeah. conscious selves. And our purpose in life should be to restore consciousness to its original pure state because when consciousness is covered by matter, it's limited in so many ways. The bodies or vehicles made of matter, they get old, they get sick, they die. And if the conscious self identifies with the vehicle made of matter exclusively and forgets that, well, I'm not the vehicle, I'm the person within the vehicle, then there's a lot of suffering and a lot of difficulties that the conscious self experiences in this world of matter, this alien world of matter. I would say in that sense, we're all extraterrestrials. It seems that way, right? In, in the sense that as conscious personalities, we are not from this level of reality. Definitely. We are from a higher level of reality. So I would say... If we're going to understand what a human being is, we we should understand that matter is just part of it. Yes, we do have an aspect of our being that is composed of molecules, you know, iron, calcium, phosphorus, oxygen, nitrogen, carbon, and all of that. That's part of what we are. But beyond that, there is a subtle mental body with some very unusual powers like psychokinesis, remote viewing, extrasensory perception, and things of that nature. And beyond yes. that, there is the actual conscious self, which is non-material. So in my book, Human Devolution, I've documented the scientific evidence that shows we are not just machines made of matter, we are composed of three things. Matter, yes, that's part of what we are in this world. But beyond that, there is this subtle mental body with some very unusual powers. And beyond that, there is the actual conscious self. And we can just see it by how we talk about ourselves. We talk about the condition of my body. Uh, you know, we experience, uh, yes, I have hands, I have a, I have legs, I have arms, I have a head, I have a, we, we have different organs, so we experience that we're something different than that body made of matter. And we also talk about our mind, and we say, oh, uh, my mind is a little bit disturbed today, or my mind is a little peaceful today. Sure. So that shows that the real self, the conscious self, is something different than both the body made of matter and the subtle mental body. It has its own independent existence. And if we realize that, then we can have a lot more peace and satisfaction and understanding of our position 
in this world, and ultimately we can come to the point of freeing the conscious self from its contact with the gross and subtle material energies. Yes, and Michael, we, we jumped around just a little bit there, but that's okay. But I do Yeah, wanna... we went from the stones and <laughs> bones to the conscious self, but that's where it leads. Yeah, that's what happens though. That's always a good, that's a good thing, not, not a bad thing. But I do want to take you back to 1996 when NBC featured Forbidden Archaeology, uh, the mysterious origins of man. Do you remember when all of that went down clearly today, Michael? Uh, yes, I do because it was the first big exposure that my co-author Richard Thompson and right. I had mm -hmm. on television. I had done some radio shows before that, like the Art Bell show yes, and some others that had a, a, a quite a, a big audience. But uh, the NBC television special, The Mysterious Origins of Man, which was produced by Bill Cote was my first uh, big exposure in the medium of television. And Bill Cote had previously produced a show called The Mystery of the Sphinx. So when he was thinking about uh, doing this new documentary that he was calling The Mysterious Origins of Man, he, you know, he had gotten a copy of our book, Forbidden Archaeology, and you know, he got in touch with us and asked if we would participate in, in the show, which we did, along with other researchers in the alternative history field like Graham Hancock yes. and Robert Baval and John Anthony West and others. So it, it was really an amazing experience uh, when when scientists in this country found out that NBC was going to broadcast this show in prime time prime time Sunday evening yeah it's a big deal they they were outraged and at that time in 1996 you know there were basically just the three major networks and PBS. There, there, there weren't hundreds of cable channels like the, there are now. Right. And you know the scientific establishment had a much tighter grip on the media than it does today, especially television. So they were very upset that NBC was going to show a documentary that had researchers like me in it who were going to be directly contradicting what millions of children were learning from their science teachers in school. They had a, they, these scientists had, have a government enforced monopoly in the education system whereby only their ideas can be taught, and they jealously guarded this monopoly, you know, that they ha had and still have in the educational system. So when they heard that NBC was going to broadcast this documentary, they they tried to stop 
NBC from doing it. You know, they weren't successful. NBC went ahead and broadcast the show, and that made these scientists even more angry. Oh, yes. So they began to organize boycotts uh, of the advertisers uh, who were in, uh, who had ads, you know, during during the documentary, The Mysterious Origins of Man. And, you know, they also went to the Federal Communications Commission and tried to get the FCC to investigate and censure and fine NBC for having shown the documentary. And they wanted the FCC to force NBC to uh, broadcast an apology for having shown the program. And I've documented all of this in a book that I wrote that I put together called Forbidden Archaeology's Impact, because people would often ask me, well, what's been the impact of your work? So I put together uh, a book documenting the impact that uh, the book Forbidden Archaeology had in different fields. And I documented all of the correspondence, the email correspondence related to uh, this uh, attempt to uh, punish NBC for having shown this documentary. So it was it was a real experience for me, both in the sense of being able to participate in the documentary, but I think even more important was the experience of seeing the reaction to it yeah. know, from different quarters. Yes, the scientific community was very heated with you. And um, I did want to ask you, do you remember your peers turning on you at all during this time? Uh, no, I'm outside the scientific establishment. So that's one reason why such pressures could not be brought against me. Now, I, I, I am aware, however, that others um, who did have positions within the scientific community did experience a, a negative backlash from their colleagues in the scientific world. Now, for example, uh, there was an American geologist who, whose work was part of the documentary, The Mysterious Origins of Man. Her name was Virginia Steen McIntyre. Uh, I had come across her work when I was doing my research, and I told Bill Cote you know, that she should be part of this documentary. And you know, she had a very interesting story to tell. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, she was involved in dating an archaeological site in Mexico called Huayatlaco, which is near the town of Puebla in central Mexico. There, a team of American and Mexican archaeologists had uncovered stone tools and weapons, and they wanted to know how old they were. So... Virginia Steen McIntyre and her colleagues from the United States, all geologists, came down to date the site, and they used four different methods to date the site, and they got an age of about 300,000 years for this site. 
But the archaeologist in charge of the site said, well, that's impossible, you know, because according to their theories, human beings capable of making the stone tools and weapons that were found there at that site did not exist 300,000 years ago. They hadn't evolved yet. And what to speak of being present in Mexico and North America, the, the now dominant idea is that no humans entered the Americas any earlier than about 20 or 30,000 years ago at most. So to have this kind of evidence in Mexico at 300,000 years was just impossible. So they refused to publish the age for the site given by their own team of geologists. But then Virginia Steen McIntyre and her colleagues decided to independently publish the age of the site. But when they did that, they experienced an extreme negative backlash from their colleagues in the scientific world. You know, Virginia Steen McIntyre, for example, lost a teaching position that she held at a university in the United States. And her career as a geologist, which up to that point had been really spectacular, she was becoming a, a rising star in her profession, but all that was suddenly finished when she dared to publish something that contradicted the dominant ideas about human origins and antiquity. And that kind of animosity continued, you know, when she agreed to appear on this documentary, The Mysterious Origins of Man, that was shown on NBC in 1996. Definitely. You also talk about the Liatoli footprints as well. That's something I always found pretty fascinating as well. Well, there are different categories of evidence for extreme human antiquity, and one of them is footprints. In 1979, Mary Leakey, yeah. who was the wife of Louis Leakey, a very famous archaeologist, and she was a very prominent archaeologist in her own right, in 1979, Mary Leakey announced the discovery of footprints that were found at a place called Laetoli in the country of Tanzania in East Africa. The footprints were found in layers of solidified volcanic ash that were dated using the potassium-argon method as being about 3,700,000 years old. Now, in her original report published in National Geographic magazine, Mary Leakey said that the Latoli footprints are indistinguishable from anatomically modern human footprints. And other scientists also agreed with her. The paleontologist Tim White stated Make no mistake about it, they are like anatomically modern human footprints. Now, if you look at that in a very straightforward way, you take it, as I do, as evidence that humans like us were existing 3,700,000 years ago. But Mary Leakey and Tim White and other scientists who, who looked at these footprints couldn't see them 
like that because according to their theories, human beings like us did not exist 3,700,000 years ago. They think humans like us only came into existence less than 200,000 years ago. So what they proposed was that, well, these footprints must have been made by some kind of ape man living at that time who had feet exactly like modern human feet. And this is how uh, what I call the process of knowledge filtration works. They look at the evidence. They couldn't accept it for what it was, so they came up with some explanation to make it fit into their theories. You know, it's a very interesting proposal, but yeah, we have the skeletons of the ape men who existed three or four million years ago. They are called Australopithecus. Yeah. And the foot of Australopithecus, you know, the foot bones of Australopithecus have been discovered in Africa. And their foot structure is not like that of a modern human being. The foot structure of Australopithecus is like that of a chimpanzee with very long toes, sort of like human fingers. And especially there's a big toe that can move out to the side like a human thumb. If you look at your thumb, you can, you can move it so it sticks out at 90, a 90 degree angle from the rest of your fingers. So it had a, a long, toe like that that could be moved out to the side. Actually, the only creature known to science that has a foot structure exactly like that of a modern human being is human beings like us. I mean, maybe in the future somebody will discover the bones of some kind of ape man that had a foot exactly like modern human feet, but that hasn't been done up to this point in in time. So what did Mary Leakey actually discover? I think she found evidence that humans like us were existing 3,700,000 years ago. And, you know, if there were just one or two cases like this, you know, you might say, okay, there's a few cases that support your idea of extreme human antiquity, but the vast majority of evidence supports you know, the standard scientific ideas. But what I showed in my book, Forbidden Archaeology, is that there's not just one or two cases like this. There's enough to fill up a 900-page book. There are hundreds of cases like this. Yeah, why so much suppression, in your opinion? Do you think it's something political? I think there's all kinds of reasons for it. Just on a very basic level, uh, I think it has to do with, you know, per, you know just personal feeling. Uh, say if I love somebody and somebody tells me something bad about the person I love. Right. I don't want to believe it. I may even become a, you know, a bit angry you know, with the person who tries to tell me these things. So, you know, scientists today, they're very much in love with their theories, and if they hear something that goes against it, they they react in a negative way. Yeah. It's just human nature in one sense. 
On another level, I think it has to do with the power of the monopoly that the supporters of the now dominant theories have in the education system. You know, it's not that all scientists support the now dominant theories. You know, there are a minority of scientists today who support different alternatives to the Darwinian theory of evolution, like intelligent design, for example, or various creationist ideas. So there are scientists who support alternatives to the Darwinian theory of evolution, but they're in the minority. And those in the majority position have convinced government to give them a monopoly in the education system. And that has the effect of delegitimizing uh, alternative ideas so that if you're a student being trained to become a scientist, mm -hmm. you're taught to avoid these alternative ideas. And, and uh, it's, it's very effective. And I think the reason for this strict exclusion of alternative ideas is because most of the alternative ideas involve some kind of non-material principles, some kind of guiding intelligence, some kind of existence of elements or substances beyond the chemical elements. And they don't like that very much. They want to keep these things out of the scientific picture of reality, which means basically we're not getting a complete picture of reality from uh, what's being taught in the education systems and scientific institutions around the world today. And there's a price to be paid for that. If you're not taking into account every feature of reality and consciousness is a big feature of our reality, that means we're going to make mistakes, fundamental mistakes. We're going to have values and goals that are, in a sense, self-destructive. If we're being taught that we're just machines made of matter in competition with each other for survival, well, what kind of world are we going to be living in? We're going to be living in a world where there's conflict for the control of material resources, a lot of environmental destruction, and unfair exploitation of one group of people by another. So that's the kind of world that we're going to find ourselves in if we have and structure our lives and structure our societies according to this incomplete picture of reality that's being presented to us through our education system and scientific institution. Yes, and once again, we jumped around a bit, but that kind of reminds me Michael, have you ever had an outer body experience? Well, myself, yes, I did have have uh, an out of body experience once. It was when I was er in my early 20s. At that time, I was in the United States Navy and they had stationed me, they'd put me at a weather station in Iceland. Ah. 
I mean, during that time, you know, it was the time of the Vietnam War, but I didn't go to Vietnam. I went to Iceland to a weather station there. And Iceland is a, an amazing place. There's all kinds of glaciers and volcanoes there. And one of the volcanoes there, it's called Hecla. And you know, Jules Verne wrote a novel in the 19th century called Journey to the Center of the Earth. You know, where some scientists go to Hecla and they go down into the center of the earth. You know, and during the Middle Ages, it was considered the gateway to hell. But when I was in Iceland, that volcano erupted and, you know, I, I went to see it. And I also went camping in the mountains of Iceland in the wintertime and once some friends of mine and I, you know, we had gone out in the winter time. We had a few days off and we went camping in the mountains of Iceland and we had set up our tent at the base of a mountain, not a huge mountain like the Himalayas. They were only a few thousand feet high, but we decided we were going to have a race to the top of one of these mountains that we were camped at the base of. So we started going up, and I was winning the race. But when I got almost right to the very top of this mountain, I slipped, and I began to go down the mountain on my back with my head pointed down. Ooh. Yeah, it was all ice and snow, and yeah, I was trying to stop. Yeah, I was digging in my heels. I was doing everything possible I could to stop, and it, it I just started going faster and faster on my back with my head pointed down the slope of this mountain. And I was thinking of all the rocks, the sharp rocks that I climbed over. I was thinking at any second, my head is going to smash into one of those rocks or I'm going to go over some cliff and that's going to be it. And at a certain point, I realized there was nothing I could do about it. So I just kind of mentally let go. And at that moment, you know, I had this out-of-body experience where I was outside my body looking at it going down the slope of the mountain at night. <clears throat> and at a certain point, I just blacked out and I woke up in a snowdrift at the bottom of the mountain with my friends shaking me, you know. And they said, the way you came down that mountain slope was the only way you could have done it and live, you know. So I, I, it's the only out of body experience I've had, but it, it happened some time ago, over 40 years ago, but I still remember it very yeah, clearly. Sure. Those kind of experiences, uh, they stick with us. Oh, they do indeed. Yeah. And you know, in, in high school, I was an atheist. For a very long time, and I even experienced an outer body experience myself, and I was still on the fence even after. And it was it was a little later until I took a religious studies course, and I actually become became somewhat of um, I guess you can say agnostic. Of course, that was after reading Eastern religions. So yeah, I could, well, everybody has their own path. You know, that they take in regard to these things. Uh, but, you know, in 
my book, Human Devolution, I documented a lot of the scientific evidence for these out-of-body experiences. Of course, there's nothing like having your own experience, but if people are interested in scientific evidence, there are many medical doctors and others who've carefully studied this phenomenon. I was always very impressed by the work of uh, Dr. Michael Sabum, who was a, a cardiologist, a heart surgeon, and you know he had heard you know some of these reports from his heart attack patient. You know that you know they you know they'd had a heart attack, they were in the hospital, they were being operated on by doctors and nurses, and they would report separating from their bodies, and they'd be looking down and seeing what the doctors and nurses mm -hmm. are doing. Yeah. And Dr. Sabum kind of wondered, well, how is this possible? You know, their hearts have stopped beating. They're, they should be completely unconscious in a state like that. But they're reporting these things. Are they just making it up? Is it a real experience? He, so he decided to do a study. And the way he did it was, he took about 25 of these people who had reported these out-of-body experiences during their heart attack resuscitation. And he, he interviewed each one of them very carefully. He wanted them to uh, give him everything they could remember about the experience. And then he compared what they said to the medical records kept by the doctors and nurses who had treated them. And the patients uh, didn't see these records. And he found that what the patients said matched what the, doc the records of the doctors and nurses who had treated them said, and there weren't any mistakes. And this was a little bit unusual because it, it's, it's not the exact same treatment in each case. And kind of to test against the idea that, well, they just by luck or by chance got it right, he took another group of patients who had not reported any of these out-of-body experiences, and he asked them, just imagine for me, what did you think, what do you think happened when you were unconscious on the operating table? What do you think that the doctors and nurses were doing? Make use of any you know, doctor shows that you've seen or anything you've heard about these things from other patients or doctors or nurses. And he, he carefully recorded what, what they said and he compared it with the medical records of the doctors and nurses who had treated them and he found they all made big mistakes in their uh, accounts that they gave of what they thought happened. So he took this as confirmation that the first group had been giving genuine real reports of something that they had actually experienced. So there are other doctors in other parts of the world, in England, for example, who have done similar studies. And such work continues to be done up to the present day. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating for sure. What about reincarnation? I definitely believe that we are merely this right now. This is just an outer shell. Just like you said, this is just a vehicle 
I definitely believe in reincarnation. Do you? Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the next step. You know, if you've got an out-of-body experience, that shows, well, the conscious self can at least temporarily separate from the body and then re-enter the same body. So it's the next step is the question, well, can a conscious self leave the body, have not simply a, a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience, but a body transfer experience, go into a completely different body? And the answer to that question appears to be yes. I think we've all had, you know, the feeling at one time or another that, you know, we, we've uh, either been to a place or seen a person or known a person in a previous life, that we have some previous connection with a place or a person. Uh, there's a common name for that kind of experience it's called a deja vu experience. Right. And I, you know, I can, and, and another way this comes is, you know, if we have some talent or ability, uh, we may sometimes wonder, well, how is it, you know, that I've developed this talent or ability? You know, I have some ability as a writer, but, you know, my, my mother, when she was living, my late mother told me once mm -hmm. that, you know, when I was two years old about, you know, she would give me alphabet soup to eat. And she said, I wouldn't eat it. I would spell out words <laughs> in the bowl. That's funny. Uh, and, you know, when I think about that, it, it, it kind of makes me think, well, this talent that I have for writing is something that I developed in a previous life, and I'm just continuing with that talent or ability. You know, sometimes a child will have unusual musical ability, the ability right. to play a musical instrument, or will have unusual mathematical ability, the ability to do all kinds of complicated math uh, at a very, very young age. So... <clears throat> I think one possible explanation for that is that the child had those abilities in some previous life and is manifesting them again, taking up where he or she left off in the previous lifetime. And, you know, there have been psychologists and psychiatrists who have carefully studied this kind of thing. Uh, they've studied, for example, past life memories. You know, there was a psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Ian Stevenson of the University of Virginia Medical School, who did extensive studies of past life memories reported by young children. And he and his colleagues used the following methodology. When they would encounter a child who was reporting these kinds of memories, they would carefully record mm -hmm. everything that the child said about the remembered past life. And you know, the reason that Dr. Stevenson dealt with children is, you know, there are adults who sometimes report elaborate past life memories, but I mean, an adult could 
do a lot of research and come up with a convincing sure, sure. You know, past life story. But yeah. a, a child, three or four years old, isn't liable to do something like that. Correct. Not very easily, anyways. Yeah, and you know, Michael, I, I read I read studies of that before, and yeah, children. I read from certain ages. I guess you could say like four to. I, I'm just I'm just assuming maybe about six or seven. Those are the ones who remember more vividly about these these past lives. Yeah, and you know, so they would. Uh, so Dr. Stevenson and his colleagues. They would carefully interview these children, and then they would do research to see, to verify the existence of the person the child claimed to be, claimed to have been. And they're not claiming to have been famous people like Cleopatra or Napoleon or something like that. They're claiming to be uh, ordinary people who happened to have died shortly before the births of these children. And sometimes there's, in addition to being able to check the memories that have been reported and compare them with actual lives of people who could have been the person that is whose life is being remembered, sometimes the children have birthmarks and other physical characteristics that connect them with the life of the previous person, especially if the person died in a violent way. Uh, Sometimes a child might report that in their previous life, they perished or died as a result of, say, a gunshot. Mm -hmm. And then the child will have birthmarks corresponding to the entry and exit wound of the deceased person. So it's really quite interesting when you get into that. It's very fascinating indeed. And going back to consciousness, I I did want to mention that it definitely seems like humans definitely possess some sort of extraterrestrial consciousness. Um, The fact that some of us can astral project and remote view and some of us are clairvoyant, um, I, I think perhaps that's... That's a bit why we have that extraterrestrial, um, I guess you can say, DNA in us, perhaps. Yeah. And you know, what's really surprising is that there have been some prominent scientists who have investigated, you know, these kinds of kinds of things. Um you know, like psychokinesis and extrasensory perception and things like that. But it sort of gets filtered out of the textbooks. Like uh, in every high school physics textbook, students learn about the work of Marie and Pierre Curie. You know, they were husband and wife living in France early in the 20th century, and they both got Nobel Prizes for their work in discovering radium. In other words, they were some of the scientists who first did work in radioactivity. And that's in all the physics textbooks. But what you don't read in the physics textbooks is that they were both involved in psychical research, research into the paranormal. They were part of a group of 
uh, 20 prominent European scientists who were conducting such research in Paris, France, early in the 20th century. And, you know, they would do experience, experiments with mediums. So mediums are people that possess some of these paranormal powers like psychokinesis, mind over matter. And on one occasion, they were doing some experiments with an Italian medium named Eusapia Palladino. Ah, uh-huh, yes. An mm-hmm. Italian woman had some of these psychokinetic abilities. She could move large objects with her 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 mental powers and yeah they were testing this in the psychology institute in paris in broad daylight under what pierre curie called perfect conditions of observation yeah they noted that a large table was floating about one meter about three feet off the ground in the presence of this woman with nothing touching it and Pierre Curie, the Nobel Prize winning physicist, was measuring how high the table was floating off the ground and how long it was floating. And all of the scientists present signed a document saying these things are absolutely true. And we have to take them into account if we're going to have a complete picture of reality. But yeah, you know, we don't read about these things in the textbooks today because of the process of what I call knowledge filtration, and also the, these phenomenon connected with remote viewing. You know, it, it, it's actually come out. The government's actually admitted that during the 1970s and 1980s, uh, they were using for the military and civilian intelligence services yes. remote mm-hmm. viewers. Uh, uh, especially those connected with the Stanford Research Institute (SRI). Yeah, last show we just had on um, one of the one of the one of the members that was involved in all these operations. Yeah, I, I met one. I've met a couple of them. One of them I met was Stephen Schwartz, who was uh, one of the remote viewers mm-hmm. that were working with uh, the Stanford Research Institute that was contracted by. Yeah, the military and, intelli- uh, and civilian intelligence services of the United States government. Yes. And, and actually, we were speaking at the same conference in Montreal, Canada, and we just happened to meet, and he came to my lecture, I came to his, and he had a workshop in remote viewing. You know, he was explaining that this is an ability that we all have, to one extent or another, and like any other ability, like, say, musical ability, some people are very expert musicians, and some people can play a little bit, you know, play a guitar a little bit, whereas somebody else is very expert at yeah, the guitar. Yeah, they'll pick up on it, for sure. But you can pick up on it. And, you know, he did uh, a little demonstration of this. There were about a 100 of us that took part in this demonstration, and what he did is he picked three people out of the group and told them, I want you, we were in Montreal, and then he said to these three people, I want you to go anywhere in the city within a 15-minute driving radius. Just get in a taxi and go 15 minutes, any direction you want. Go to some place 
and when you get there, try to mentally send the imagery back to us here in at the conference in the hotel. Mm. So the three people got up and they left, and he gave them a video camera and said, videotape the place where you're at. Now, for those of us remaining in at the conference, you know, he... He took us through some mental exercises. He just said, just empty your mind, you know, just, and then when the 15 minute mark came and the people were where they, wherever they were, they were at, he told us, just start recording, writing down whatever imagery comes into your mind. Don't edit it. Don't question it. Don't just put it down, whatever it is. And the first image that came into my mind, and I wrote it down, was candle flames and red glass holders. You know, so then he asked us to think, to kind of envision, well, what do you see when you look up? What do you see when you look down? What do you see when you look forward? What do you see when you look back? What do you see when you look left and right? Just write it all down. So then later, the people came back from wherever they were. You know, they put the videotape in the machine, and the first image that came up was candle flames and red glass holders. So I had gotten it, you know, exactly right. Yeah, that's and that's it was, wild. I believe in these things, and I was amazed. Yeah, parapsychology is fascinating, no doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and I, I believe you. I've had times where I've done the same thing with magic tricks, by the way. Um, I gave an example to Paul Smith, who I was talking to privately about a certain magic trick that David Blaine was doing, and I guessed the correct uh, card right away. I thought it was a pretty, pretty fun um, assumption I made that I was actually correct on. But you know, I'll, I'll even up the ante here just a little bit more. I think this was kind of unusual too, Michael. Um, I was in line at Rite Aid. A Friday afternoon, and in my head I had heard a, a ringtone for a what's well, it's kind of a popular ringtone, but it's for an iPhone, and I heard this go off in my head um, just randomly when I was standing in line, and not not any longer than 30 seconds later, someone's phone goes off with that ringtone, and I thought that was kind of weird, and I started laughing, and a couple people looked at me a little weird. But I, I I thought that was kind of strange because I seem to have this weird ability to know or to sense when someone is going to call me. Sometimes I think of a person and they end up calling me or sending me a, a text message. Yeah. Well, have you ever heard of Rupert Sheldrake? He's a British scientist. I have. Who's done research in this area. Uh you know, just everyday kind of experiences that an average person can have. You know, like they'll overlook uh, it too. By the way, huh? They'll they'll overlook that experience, right? But you know, like the experience you just talked about, being able to anticipate when somebody's going to call you. Now, this is something that can be tested, and he's tested it. You know, he. Took, uh, you know, like you take a person, you know, he would, you know, take a person who has, say, four friends. You know, he would take four friends of this person and, you know, he would 
say to the person, okay, at 5.30, one of these four people is going to call you, and who is it? Who is it going to be? Now, if you run this experiment a few times, you know, dozens of times, you'd expect that the person would get it right 25% of the time if there's no paranormal effect. You know, it's that's just the chance expectation. If it's just chance, you've got four choices and you've got to guess which person is going to call at that time. If it's just by chance, you're going to get it right roughly 25% of the time if you, say, do the experiment 100 times. But he found that some people get it right far greater than 25% of the time. They get it right almost every time. So, you know, they'll anticipate who it is that's actually going to call them. At that same conference that I was telling you about in Montreal a few years ago where I met Stefan Schwartz, I also met Rupert Sheldrake, and I went to his lecture, and we were talking, and in his lecture, you know, he said, okay, there's an exper experience that we all have, you know, the sense that somebody is looking at me. You know, you're standing somewhere and you just get this strong yeah. sense. Somebody mm -hmm. is staring at your back or the back of your head. And you look around and, yeah, somebody's right. just really focused on, on you. You could feel that energy. Yeah, you could feel it. And that is something that can be tested. Again, there were about a 100 of us who were attending his workshop. And he divided us up into 50 pairs, you know, two people. And for each pair of person, one person would sit in a chair. The other person would sit behind that person. And then the person sitting behind would have a list of 20 instructions. Uh, you know, look at the back of the person's head. Don't look, don't look, 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 don't look, look, don't look. You know, 20 instructions like that. And the person in front would have to guess or say at each of these 20 moments whether the person in back of them was looking at the back of their head or not. <clears throat> and if it's by chance, it's just chance, you would expect that the person in front would get it right 50% of the time. But we did the experiment with 50 groups of people like I myself got it right over 70% of the time. Wow. And the whole group got it right at a rate greatly exceeding 50% of, of the time. So what I like about Rupert Sheldrake's work is he, he deals with common everyday occurrences that any person could set up an experiment that doesn't require millions of dollars of expensive apparatus. I mean, these are things that we all have experience of and we all have the ability to demonstrate if we just take the time to do it. Yes, and that's, of course, The Sense of Being Stared At, a pretty yeah, good book. But, I, mm -hmm. but the, how this all relates, I think, is that I mean, to get it back to what we were talking about, I mean, originally we started out with 
stones and bones, archaeological evidence for extreme human antiquity, which means that we need new explanations for human origin. And the current theories of human origins are very materialistic. You know, they think we're just machines made of matter, and that's all there is to it. But I think this additional research shows that there's more to a human being than just chemicals. Um, Beyond matter, there's a subtle material mental body with these unusual powers like psychokinesis and remote viewing Mm -hmm. and all kinds of paranormal abilities. And beyond that, there is the conscious self, which is totally non-material and is from an entirely different level of reality. So that's how it all ties together uh, when I think about it. Yeah, and it tied in together just well. And I totally forgot to bring this up to you, but there was a giant humanoid footprint, I believe, in South Africa. Did you ever get a chance to see that up close? Uh, I haven't seen it in South Africa. I've seen the photographs and reports of it. It's quite huge. Yeah, I think Michael Tellinger uploaded a video of it back in, like, 2012. Yeah. Yeah, the locals Uh, were calling it the footprint of God. Right. And, yeah, it's massive. It's about six or seven feet tall. It's on a vertical piece of granite rock in South Africa. Uh, I don't even have the words for that. That's insane. Yeah, that takes us into a whole other level of strangeness. Oh, yes. It's 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 mind-boggling. For those who haven't seen it, definitely go to YouTube once again and look at that giant footprint. They say it's uh, 200 million years old. That's what Michael Tellinger says, yeah. Yeah, that's what he's claiming. I'm not exactly sure if that's accurate or not, but either way. Well, even yeah, I have some questions about it. You know, my, myself. Sure. Uh, Even if it's a... that it's in granite, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, for me, I mean, normally footprints would be in sedimentary rock, rock that was sand or clay or something of that nature. And, but granite means it was once molten yeah. rock. Yeah, which is a little more difficult to see how you would get a footprint in that. But I'm not ruling it out, but it's just a a question that I had about that particular case. Sure, and even if it's not that old, even if it's only a few thousand years old, that's still pretty insane. That's outrageous. um, Even a few hundred years is old to me, so um, even if it's a thousand years old, that's still pretty ancient in my book. Yeah. After all, everything we experience is in the present. Correct. And that that also makes me um, wonder if you are still in the notion that we might have coexisted with dinosaurs at one time. Well, when I look at the evidence, I find evidence for a human presence going back before the time of the dinosaurs, during the time of the dinosaurs, and after the time of the dinosaurs. Or, of course, there's the question whether or not there are still any dinosaurs existing today on this planet. I mean, there are, I mean, that takes you into the whole realm of what's called cryptozoology. Sure. Yeah, the existence of strange creatures, because there are, 
there are reports from different remote regions of the world that perhaps uh, dinosaurs still exist you know, in the remote regions of the Congo or the Amazon or something like that. But given the accepted idea that the dinosaurs went extinct about 65 million years ago, I would say there's evidence for a human presence, a human presence before the time of the dinosaurs, during the time of the dinosaurs, and after the time of the dinosaurs. Some point to the Ica stones as evidence. Any opinion on that? The Ica stones were discovered by Dr. Cabrera. Cabrera, correct. In Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, what they show is they're round pieces of stone that have carvings on them. Show, some of them show human figures along with obviously dinosaur figures. And the question is, when were they made? Uh, you know, because, I mean, even today, say we have paintings of dinosaurs that were made long after the dinosaurs went extinct. So uh, the question is, how old are these Ica stones? And one of the difficulties is that Dr. Cabrera never revealed the exact place where these stones were found. If it could be shown, I mean, from my point of view, you know, because you know, I'm speaking like this because you know, sometimes I'm speaking at scientific conferences and things like that, and I like sure. to have things mm-hmm. very solid in terms of evidence. If it was possible to show that these Ica stones were found solidly embedded in a formation that is over 65 million years old, in other words, from the time of the dinosaurs, then that would be very good. But because Dr. Cabrera never really revealed the exact places where these things were found, it's not possible, or at least up to this point, it hasn't been possible for me to demonstrate the geological age of these Ica stones. I think Eric in a Von... satisfactory way. Mm-hmm. I'm open. I like I said. I personally accept that humans did exist during the time of the dinosaurs, and I think there is evidence for that at a place called. Uh, the Paluxy River in Texas, there are human footprints in the same layers of rock as dinosaur footprints. And, yeah, they're very controversial that you're going to find, you know, some scientists dismissing it and only a few really accepting it. But to me, it looks pretty good in terms of evidence, you know, that at this Paluxy River site in Texas, you've got human footprints alongside dinosaur footprints. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think there is evidence showing humans existed at the same time of dinosaurs. The Ica stones could be another category of such evidence, but what would really nail it down would be able being, would, would, what would really nail it down would be being able to show that these Ica stones can be found solidly embedded in layers of rock dating to the time of the dinosaurs. I think Eric Von Daniken was presented one of the stones, and I don't think he was uh, all that impressed either. Well, I'm, 
I, I guess you'd have to say I'm open to the possibility. Yeah, I'm not exactly ruling it out either. There were um, reported thousands of these stones in existence, some of them in museums today. Right. Yeah, there are, there are many of them. And there, you know, of course, sometimes they've had earthquakes down there. And I don't know, if, you know, the Ica, Ica is the name of the town in Peru where Dr. Cabrera was finding this thing. And I, I think, you know, there, I mean, I, I've known researchers who've gone to the museum in Ica, Peru and seen hundreds or even thousands mm-hmm. of these things. And one of the explanations that's given for why they don't uh, show the place where these things are found is because they have very strict laws about archaeological discoveries in Peru and many other countries. So there's apparently some legal consideration as well that prevent people from coming forward with showing the exact locations where these things be found. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I also wanted to ask you about a man named James Churchward who wrote about a lost continent, also known as Lemuria. Do you recall any of that? Yes, actually he was uh, one of several researchers reporting such things. And I think it's uh, just in general, the general principle is a valid one because it's just part of standard science that over the past uh, several thousand years, the sea levels have been rising because of the melting of uh, the ice from the last ice age. And because, because of that, the sea levels have been rising, so a lot of areas of the planet that were once above water are now underwater. And marine archaeology has become a big topic now. I often go to speak at professional gatherings of archaeologists, and they've become very interested in exploring the underwater archaeology of the continental shelf, say the coast of uh, the United States used to extend much further out into the sea than it does today. And they're able to find archaeological evidence on the continental shelf, areas that were once above land that are now underwater. And there are places like that all over the world. So in just the general principle that there are inhabited areas of the earth that are now underwater, I think, is a valid one. Now, any particular case has to be looked at and evaluated, but the general principle, I think, is a valid one. And I agree. It just goes back to the whole suppression thing once again. And he also claims that it coexisted with Atlantis. Um, do you have any opinion on Atlantis, Michael? Well, you know, alternative history is a big field. You know, there are a lot of researchers who are concerned with Atlantis, but Atlantis is something that existed uh, according to the researchers 
a few thousand years ago. And I'm, I'm in my personal research, I'm dealing with deeper periods of time. You know, evidence showing that our human ex- species existed far longer than most scientists are now prepared to accept, you know, going back many, many millions of years. So in terms of my personal research, that's what I focused on. Of course, I'm aware of what other researchers in alternative history are doing. There have been a lot of proposals for where Atlantis actually is. Uh, you know, some people are of the opinion uh, that it's somewhere in the Mediterranean. Some people say it's in the Atlantic Ocean around the Bahamas or Bimini. Some people say in the, uh, Andes Mountains in, in, uh, South America, around Bolivia somewhere. Some people say in Indonesia. Uh, I know there are a lot of different ideas about it. I haven't really specialized in that area of my research, in that area of research myself. But as I said, the general principle that there are inhabited areas of the earth that are now underwater and that there may have been advanced civilizations in those regions is an idea that I'm prepared to accept. You know, in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India, there are accounts of the fabulous city of Dwaraka, uh, which was the city of uh, Lord Krishna, a fabulous city that existed yeah. thousands of years ago, but it went under the water. And actually, there's still in northwest India to this day a town called Dwarka on the coast. And archaeologists have investigated the waters, the ocean waters, off the coast of that city, and they have found underwater remains of a city. And I've been there. I've been to the current city of Dwarka and uh, sailed over those waters. So it's uh, something that you find in a lot of different cultures. You know, the the idea of Atlantis came from the Greek culture, Plato wrote about it in his book, The Republic, and Correct. some other books. Uh, in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India, you have this account of this fabulous city of Dwarka that went under the water about 5,000 years ago. In the Tamil Sangam writings of South India, they have accounts of a place called Kumari Kandam. That went under the water, and as you were mentioning, Churchward talked about the continent of Mu, and other researchers talk about Atlantis. So I think the general idea that there are inhabited parts of the Earth that have gone underwater, and they may have been the sites of advanced civilization, is a valid one. Yeah, and we're almost coming to a close here, but just a few more uh, pressing issues here to bring up. And I also wanted to get your opinion on Vimanas. Um, of course, these are featured in the text from India. And um, I'm sure you believe in UFOs as well, since there were Vimanas. Yeah, uh, 
few years ago, I appeared on some episodes of the series Ancient Aliens that right. showed on the History Channel. Mm -hmm. And I tried to introduce a little bit about the concept of vimanas, the spacecraft that are described in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India. There are elaborate accounts of them, and you know there are different kinds of vimanas because the cosmos that is described in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India is a multi-level cosmos. There's uh, a level of ordinary matter, which is inhabited by beings adapted to the conditions there, and that's the region where we find ourselves now. Beyond that, there's a level of the cosmos dominated by subtle mental and intellectual energies. It's inhabited by beings adapted to the conditions there. People have different names for these beings. They might call them gods or goddesses or angels or jinn or astral being. And beyond that, there's uh, what I would call the level of pure consciousness, which is beyond both the gross and subtle material energy. Yeah. So and, uh, according to the ancient Sanskrit writings of yes. India, there are vimanas or craft that are adapted to the conditions at each level. There are vimanas made of pure consciousness. There are vimanas made of subtle mental energies. And there are vimanas made of gross material elements like metals. So there are different kinds described in the ancient Sanskrit writings of India. Yes. Why is the scientific world of archaeology so averse to looking for evidence in the Vedic texts? Uh... Some of them are, some of them aren't. It's very amazing. Uh, you know, I, I attend meetings of the World Archaeological Congress, which is the world's largest international organization of archaeologists. They have a congress every four years, and I present papers about my work at these international scientific conferences. And I've been surprised myself to see that at some of these international conferences, these meetings of the World Archaeological Congress, there are sections where scientists are talking about extraterrestrial archaeology. It's pretty amazing. Most people aren't aware of this. I wasn't aware of it either. Now, one thing they talk about is what to do with stuff that we've sent to the moon and Mars. But they're also talking about, well, what will we do as archaeologists if we find things that we didn't send there? What if we find orbiting the Earth, you know, a satellite sent from another solar system in some other part of the universe? What if we go to Mars and we find not our rovers and things that we've sent there or the Russians have sent there, but what if we find stuff that is been sent by some extraterrestrial civilization from some other solar system in some other part of the universe. So even the professional archaeologists are starting to talk about these things, some of them. So in the scientific world, I found, is not monolithic. There is one element that is very resistant. I call them the fundamentalist materialists. 
and they're very much opposed to this kind of thing. But within the scientific world, there is a more open-minded element, especially in archaeology. Many archaeologists understand that their science was used during the colonial period to suppress other worldviews, including the Vedic worldview or the Native American Indian worldview or the Australian Aboriginal worldview. And these archaeologists are very much open to what we might call different archaeology. So that's perhaps one reason why I'm able to present scientific papers at meeting of the European Association of Archaeologists and the World Archaeological Congress, because there are some archaeologists who are open to, say, a Vedic perspective on archaeology. They may not agree with it personally themselves, but they think this is something that should be heard and people should make up their own minds about it uh, without prejudice. Definitely. Maybe one day the paradigm will finally shift for the better of all humanity, Michael. I certainly hope so. And I think it's a very real hope. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Correct. And uh, speaking of which, do you have anything coming up, any lectures, any uh, new books in the works? Well, I'm working on a follow-up book to Forbidden Archaeology. Oh, okay. It'll include new cases that have come to my attention since the... Uh, first book was published, which was some years ago, and also some updates on some of the cases included in the original book. But it's very painstaking research. I wish I could say it's coming out tomorrow, but uh, I'm still working on it. But that'll be the next thing that comes out uh, from from me. And as far as any upcoming lectures and interviews are concerned, People can check uh, the schedule link on my website, mcremo.com, M-C-R-E-M-O.com, and they'll be able to stay in touch with any upcoming lectures. Wonderful. And just one more random question before I let you go, Michael. Uh, what kind of music do you like? Well, you know, personally, you know, since... 1973, I've been a disciple of a guru from India. So personally, I kind of like mantra meditation kind of music, but, you know, I've also had exposure to all kinds of other types of of music. But I, I tend to like, uh, I mean, it could be either rock music or jazz or whatever, if it has some kind of spiritual element to it, I get uh, moved by it. You know, for example, some you know, in the 1980s, there was a band called The Police, and they the had Police, a song right. called Spirits in the Material World. We are spirits in the material world, and I really like that song. So I like songs that have some element of the higher self in it, and it could be either uh, the music or or musical tradition that comes out of India, or it could be modern Western music. It just depends upon 
the values and the ideas that are being expressed. You're a George Harrison fan, aren't you? Oh, yes. George Harrison was amazing. He he had many songs that dealt with uh, topics that are related to the philosophy and cosmology of ancient India. He had a whole album, Living in the Material World. I'm going to be going on a break here in a moment. I think I'll play a, a track from George Harrison in your honor. Well, thank you very much. For sure. And it's been a great time talking to you, Michael. And I hope we can do it again in the near future, hopefully when your book's released. That would be something I would look forward to with great pleasure. And it's been nice being with you and all your listeners. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Always an honor and always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. For sure. We'll do it again. Have a good evening, and I'll talk to you in, I guess, in the near future. That would be great. All right, Michael. Good night. God bless. Good night. Take care. And that, of course, was Michael Cremo, ladies and gentlemen. Great, great guest. Looking at the time here, seems like we went a few minutes over, but that's okay. It is that time to go to the bathroom. Definitely go to the bathroom, get yourself something to drink. And when we return, round two is up. All hell might break loose. I'm going to be doing a segment here. Celebrity death. Don't go anywhere. Look at that power. Look at that wealth. Look at the force. And we got this little band of people, you know. And then after I gave my talk, I wandered over to, we had a fence up and we had a display of pictures of Filipinos who were being tortured and found dead. Grizzly photos by the Marcos people. And a, and a, and a Marcos security guy, a Filipino, thugs plain clothes, comes walking up and he looks at the picture, standing next to me, and he goes, and he sort of smirks, like, well, you know, and I never had such a feeling, I wanted to really, you know, give him one upside his head, but I've outgrown those days, and I'm saying, look at this, they got it all, what are we going to do? And look what's happened three years later, just look what's happened, this incredible transition, democratic forces mobilized, and this Marcos just blown away, just remember who has the source of power. When the people get it together, they have strength like nothing seen. Democratic forces move, forces of reaction must retreat. And these great generals and dictators and presidentes who sit there in their big palaces with their brutal and their corruption and their bayonets and their guns and their spies everywhere, they get thrown off just as a stallion, they thrown off a little fly. So we speak truth to power, just remember that. Speak truth to power, mobilize, organize, never be sad. Remember what the great Italian communist Antonio Gramsci said, you have a pessimism of the mind, but an optimism of the will. You see the worst, you consider the worst, you work against it, but in here you work for what is freedom, what is justice, what is right. It's our destiny, it's our future, the future itself depends upon it. And welcome back to the program. Hope you enjoyed the break. Hope you feel better. I know I do. I got myself a drink here, and I'm ready for round two of the program. And I am your host, Michael, always excited to be here. I am someone who cares. Always remember that you're never on your own. When you've got a piece of my soul coming through your speakers. Oh yeah, it's true. You can call into the program now, don't be scared. 760 332 
8065. That's the old number. Don't you dare call that number. 760332-8724 or 760332-8947. That is the accurate number. Don't be scared. You can call in. Don't be worried. It's just me. I also want to thank all of you out there who are listening to this live. Those who are in the chat room right now, hello to you. Of course, I've been asked again when these shows will be up on iTunes and Stitcher and so forth. Don't worry, they'll be up. I'm joined now by a caller. And before you say anything, let me just go into this really quickly and say that this is another segment of Celebrity Death Pool or Celebrity Death in Review. Oh, yeah, I know. This is going to be slightly tasteless. I know a lot of people are angry already. Some people don't like this. Some people really do love this. This is a very popular segment here. And caller. Hello. Are you alive? Oh, there you are. Hello. I'm alive. Very, very cool. I'm glad you could join me here for another edition of, of this segment here. I have been waiting all year for this. And I'm so excited. Lots of people have been waiting for this. There's lots of people out there who won't call in though, and they won't participate in this segment. Oh, they're too so, bad. They're so scared. I'm not sure well, why. Well, it's a little, it's a little in bad taste, you know. <laughs> well, you know that's gonna happen every now and then. I agree. Sometimes I you're gonna agree. step on a few toes. Indeed. And you know what? I have been thinking about this, Michael. This is Andrea, by the way. Yes, I, I just saw that right now. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so. So I think that bad taste, what I've learned from 2016 is that bad taste is the key to success in America. It's what's popular right now, right? Right? I'm not wrong, am I? That is the lesson of 2016. It seems Grab like Grab by the pussy, right? And that, God bless America. That seems to be the key phrase of this year, for sure. Right, so that's what we're doing with this segment. We are grabbing your listeners by the pussy and daring them not to get triggered. Right? Well, we are, and I know a lot of them are triggered right now. That happens. They're triggered before it even started. <laughs> we haven't we haven't even started, and people are losing their minds already. You know how many well, you know how many complaints I got? Really? Yeah, as soon as I woke up, I, I had about five, six different emails from I don't know who these people are. They're they're randoms. How did they even know you were going to do this? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't. I didn't really advertise this. But they're just like, I know you're going to do this. And you just. I guess it's uh, because it's December. Yeah, it's the time of year. They had, yeah. It's part it's, of the Christmas season. It's the time. I know a lot of people so are pissed about off. Who's going to die next year? People are pissed off. And I have my list here that I made last year. Yeah. Did you get any hits? Well, I'm, I'm going to get there, but okay. let's just, let's just review these names here. Okay. And, you know, the one of the people I have, on here as my number 10 was Willie Nelson. Is he still around? Well, yeah, he's still alive. Okay. He's still okay. doing good. He, he's had a great life. I, I enjoy Willie Nelson. Don't get me God wrong. God bless him, right? People get the wrong idea when I'm doing the segment. They actually believe that I don't like these people at all, that that's oh, why no. they are included in this list, but that's not true. That is not the rationale, right? No. This no. Is just, this is merely a prediction show. This is this is celebrity celebrity death in review here. That's all. We're not we're not 
wishing death on anyone. We're not. We're yeah. just reviewing a list. That's all. Okay. <laughs> that's all we're doing, folks. Don't get too I, You know, I thought that last Willie Nelson was a good pick. I was like, you know, I thought that was a smart one. Just didn't pan out. I know. I know. I know some of some of you out there aren't pissed. Some of you are sad. I know. <laughs> Don't worry. This this only happens. Every once in a while. This might not even happen ever again, so don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. But for sure, that was my number 10, and my number 9 was Artie Lang. I don't know him. Is he still around? He's still going strong, yes. All right. He's looked a little bad. Yeah. Falling off the wagon there. Oh. Yeah. You know, I do. I, I love him a lot. What is his deal? I don't know him. You don't know who that is from the Howard no. Stern show? Oh, okay. No, I lost track of Howard Stern years ago. So. Well, yeah, that I'll, tends I'll to happen. I'll trust you on that. Mm-hmm. For sure. And then, of course, I had Bill Cosby. Ooh, you know, I mean, that 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 was sort of like an almost, right? It's terrible. I mean, he ran his life right into the ground. I so. had a feeling that this might be the year that he might check that he might a, might actually check out on us here. Not quite. No. But another good pick. It's a good pick. I thought it was up there. I'm not sure if you feel that he might check out soon. I don't know. He's not on my list, but, you know. He's going know. to jail, right? You might right? want to double down on him. He's going to jail soon, right? Is he? I haven't. He's got to be. I, I think he's got to be. You would time. think, right? Is he not there already? <sighs> he's got to be. That that guy deserves <laughs> to be behind bars, for sure. Indeed. So next on that list was Clint okay. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, huh? That was one that I kind of, that triggered me a little when you said that last year. Yes, and that but, one was a little heartbreaking. By the way, joining us here now is is the one and only Max Cole. Oh my god! Oh my god! What's happening, folks? Max, hey. how are you? Oh, not bad, not too bad. How are you, Andrea? The Twitter Pretty good. blocker. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked everybody for a while there. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, for I had sure. I call you out on that. You know, I did. That's cool. How are you? How have you been? I've been pretty good. Good. Life just turns along, at, you know, like a runaway train. So. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so Max, um, are, are you offended by the segment that we're doing now? Is this in poor taste? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I don't okay. think anything you do offends me. It's, it's quite entertaining. You know, nice. it's one of those segments that lots of people do enjoy. I, I get praised quite a bit from the first time we did it till today. And there's still lots of people who are very upset from last year when I did it. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I think it's great mm, and relevant. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good time. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> I don't think it's that bad. Come on. Are not you, at all. Are you people out there that offended? Come on. We're not wishing death on anyone. People yet. see no. worse things on TV on a daily basis. <laughs> so come on, grow up. Yeah. There are more offensive things than this. A whole lot more offensive. Jeez. But yes, let, let's Oh, but. By the way, Max, did you have anything to add to this list? Anything um, before I continue forward here? That's a good question. I need to. I mean, because about that, I need to caught me on. You got me on the spot here. No, it's okay. You could. You could That's just. A good one. You could just hold your thoughts while while I review this list. Nice. Yeah, maybe you'll have a, a few uh, top ten here in a bit while I continue this. So just let me move forward here and um, just sit there and, and think about a list. <laughs> so yes, moving forward here, 
I know I mentioned Clint Eastwood, and I, I actually admire him lots. Don't get the wrong idea, folks. I just think his 11s are showing. Mm. <laughs> he might, it might be time. might be time for yeah, him to go. Yeah, it's true, right? Yeah. It might be his time. Everybody's number comes up, and, you know, he's done a good, he's had a good long career. And, you know, I mean, Prince died last year, right? So Sure did. Clint Eastwood, one of our just like, you know, notable artists, like, you know, it's maybe it's not done yet, right? <laughs> the madness of 2016. I also had Charlie Sheen next. Oh yeah. But you yeah. were, you were really going on, um, really kind of sensible picks, I think. I kind of was. Yeah. I just see the guy and again, I feel bad for him. I just see this guy losing it pretty soon. Again. Yeah. How has he not died already? I don't know. I mean, really. Tiger blood. <laughs> all that sex he's having. All that AIDS he's spreading. Jesus <laughs> Christ. All those drugs he's doing, right? Like, yeah. my God, it's like it's a... keeping him going. <laughs> Maybe. It's like the secret recipe or something. It, it might be. It might be. I mean, there's people in um, there's people in Japan who smoke multiple packs a day and they never get cancer. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. So cancer from cigarettes is such a American thing. <laughs> Not over there. Funny. Hell no. They you're about five years old and you're smoking a pack a day <laughs> and you live till you're about 90 over there and your lungs are fine. Hmm. Isn't that ridiculous? That is ridiculous. Yeah. Moving forward here. I believe I had Stephen Hawking's on that list. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember. Confined to that chair. What a living Once hell. Once again, it made sense. Mm-hmm. But no, he hung in there. He, Yeah, he's a trooper. As of today, he's I still hope, hanging in there. I hope we don't lose him. That's all I want to say about yeah. that. I really don't want to lose that great mind. You know, he might be sort of like propped up by AI or something by now. You know Someone, what I mean? Um, like something nano. <laughs> I got a Twitter pop-up here. Someone mentioned Macaulay Culkin. And that's another another name I didn't add to that list. But a great pick because I did mention... How how he looks so sick. Mm. He looks so sickly. Yeah, he looks a little weird. He looks terrible. Yeah, he's, he's kind of tracking like Corey Haim. <laughs> oh so. no. You gotta well, be, I'm just saying. You gotta be nice to him. He might be on the show. Corey Haim, not Feldman. I mean I Corey, Feldman. Touch Corey Feldman. Yes, yeah, sorry. Corey Haim's the one who died, remember? Yes, he is. I was thinking about he's Corey Feldman though. Well he, he told he's, me that. He's with us in spirit, don't worry. Oh, I know. He's I'm listening to this right now. He does. He listens to the show. I totally uh-huh. think so. And of course they brought up. You don't up, know if I'm fucking with you or not. Go on. They brought up a little, little <laughs> Wayne, the rapper. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. He's not yes. on my list, but this is on Twitter. Well. I could see that happening, by the way. Me too. He's about an overdose uh, away from that. And, um, I guess they also mentioned DMX. Hmm. This guy's been addicted to crack cocaine for his entire life. Huh. I don't think he's going to die from it though. He's like yeah. immune to that by now. Yeah. All right. Yeah, his heart's strong. That's not gonna, that's not gonna take him out, folks. I'm telling you. That crack cocaine is gonna keep him alive and well. Oh yeah. It's his fuel. It is. It, it, it sounds horrible, but it's the truth. In my opinion. Also, we have a, a Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Oh, he was on your list. Yeah. He was on my list. He might go this next year. I think so. There, but there I mean, were that's reports. actually in the news, isn't it? There He's were got reports like six of to live. exactly. I think his lawyer so or his doctor said that. Yeah. I was very close, right? 
Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Got to pat myself on the back you for that You knew one. he'd get the six. That, so that's like an almost, almost a hit. Almost a hit. Because you knew hit. he'd get that message this year that mm-hmm. like you're, you're pretty much done for. Oh yeah. Last six months. So. <laughs> that's pretty scary, right? Who yeah. else did you have? I forget. All right. Next on that list is Ozzy Osbourne. Oh mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. I'm surprised he's still alive. He's hanging in there though. Mm-hmm. Him and Keith Richards. Was he on your list? He wasn't on the list, but a name I thought about putting on that list. Ooh. He's having a child, right? Oh God. With some like twenty nine year old. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, he's um he's still shooting them, huh? <laughs> still going strong <laughs> there. <laughs> Gotta give him um some respect there, I guess. Good good God. Yeah, this good is God. this is just this is tasteless. This is wrong. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tacky. This is outrageous. This whole thing is just gross. Who like, would even, go. who would even talk about this sort of thing? We would. You must have a horrible life. Mm-hmm. Horrible. And then next on that list, of course, is Don Imus. <laughs> Mr. Don Imus there. Don Imus. Mm-hmm. So is he still, like, I mean, is he still? Oh, uh, yeah. Air? He's still on the air, unfortunately. Yep. Huh. It's pretty horrible. I hear that man on the radio sometimes. I have the misfortune to running into him when I'm scanning the airwaves, yeah, scanning whatever we have out here in the wastelands. Yeah, he's kind of, I don't know. Yeah, he's gross. I don't like Don Imus. He's horrible. (laughs) I didn't put him on there because I dislike him. Yeah, of course. Of course not. You just see that he's getting up there. I just think he might be checking out, too. For sure. And then, oh, this one, this one is going to draw lots of heat. You ready for this? Go. Buzz Aldrin. Oh. Oh. I think maybe you just got the wrong name. John Glenn died, right? John Glenn? Is that his name? The other, there's a different astronaut. Sorry. There's a different astronaut who died. Oh, there was a different one who died. Yeah. There was actually, right? Yeah. I saw something in the news. You were sort of onto something there. I know that. Yeah, sure. I know yeah, that Buzz sure. Aldrin was yeah. sick, though, right? Was he? I don't remember. He had some sort of lung complication recently. Oh. Mm. Pretty close, though. Pretty archaic. <laughs> <laughs> pretty crass. Pretty wrong. Mm-hmm. So wrong, it feels right. It does feel right. It feels so right. But those were the names I had established. And um I don't really have any other names except the only name that I would want to add right now is Amy Schumer. Oh. <laughs> oh that's God. that's about oh. it really. Wait, wait, see so you're do you think she's gonna die or do you just not like her? See. I just dislike her. Okay, so you've just kind of gone full full bore. I have an honest dislike for her for some reason. <laughs> I I'm gonna be completely transparent. I'm just sort of sick of her and Sick of America's fascination for her, for whatever purpose, for whatever reason, whatever intention. I don't know. But it's yeah. quite, it's quite gross in my opinion. She's also going to be appearing as Barbie for that movie. As Barbie, right? Yeah. That's a really I think weird. That's, I think that's going to be the name <laughs> of the movie too. Barbie, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> Why even make a Barbie movie? For what? What's that about? They should just stop making movies when it comes to that. You know what I mean? They yeah. should make like movies. Like it's time to just quit. They they should just stop making these old movies already and just start. 
creating exactly. new material since we live we in such a them. we live in such a big world. I'm not sure why we need to rehash everything for whatever Everything's purpose. Everything's stupid too. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. Things should be let die. Is that fair to say, Max? In your opinion, as someone who's a director, quote unquote, I completely co-sign everything you just said. I am absolutely tired of the remakes and I'm some of done. What's that? Sorry. I said I'm done with it. I'm done with yeah. that and I'm done with superhero movies and I know some of you out there love that. Some of you worship that, but I can't do it anymore. It's gone too old. It's been they've been doing that since what, the early two thousands now? Yes. I'm done Crazy with it, Max. I'm done. Yeah, same characters over. over and over. Can't do it's, it no more. We need new ideas. Yeah, it's brutal. It's really brutal. New faces too. Be nice to see some new faces on the screen too. Sure. Definitely. So any, any names you would want to throw in there? Anything you feel? I have a list of five. Oh, okay. Oh. Five is good. Go ahead. Okay. The floor is yours. Okay. My number one pick is Alex Jones. Alex Jones. That's a good one. <laughs> Great pick. Answer, Alex Jones. He might have a heart attack. That's what I'm thinking. Can I tell you how I got this idea? Go ahead. I somehow saw on Twitter. Somebody had a picture of him, like a still shot of one of like him ranting and his face was all red and his eyes were kind of rolled up into his head. And the person put in the line, will somebody get my man some blood pressure medication? (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, I think, you know, it made sense. They might be on something. Yeah. So (laughs) he's so full of darkness. He's going to burn out. It's it's a pretty fascinating um, scenario to see how all of that is playing out in that guy's life and career. He's had a great career, by the way, and I just, and you know he's only one year older than me. He is forty-two years old. He doesn't look Can you forty. That? He doesn't look forty-two. He looks. Yeah. I've always thought he was like as old as my dad or something. You know what I mean? Even so. when he was in his thirties, I thought he looked old. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, but you know, Andrew Breitbart croaked at forty-three. Oh, that's true. I was looking this up, trying to decide whether to put him on the list or not, since he is so young. But I decided to go with it. And mm. I'm gonna. Put a halt to this list for a second here and just say something that I was completely blown away by. And I forgot to mention this in the beginning of the program. Um, And let me explain what happened during the intro. I was getting private messages. I won't say by who, but they were sending me uh, fake nude photos of Donald Trump. (laughs) And it was throwing me off completely. I couldn't I couldn't read anything properly because I just kept having these visuals in my head and for to be honest with you i just wanted to stop the show for like 10 minutes so i could just laugh it out really quickly (laughs) it it almost seems like there's some sort of competition that goes on to see who could throw me off during the intro oh man (laughs) and this has been going on for since maybe a year or two already really yeah and it's how rude it's very rude but that isn't bad taste i've never told them to stop (laughs) it's it's too funny (laughs) <laughs> it's too funny. I just, oh my God. I'm going to have to re-record that again, but <laughs> whatever. It's, it's fine. It's just, it's, I, I, I'm not mad at all. I just think it's, it's something that I should, I should, um, thank them for caring so much for such a long time to try to make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud them. It's love. That's a lot of commitment there. All That's sorts cute. of crazy <laughs> photos. But anyways, going back to what I was trying to tell you guys that I completely forgot about. And most people like to know these little facts behind the scenes here. And 
Usually I like to say what country has been spending lots of time listening to the show. Yeah. And usually, oh, yeah, and usually it's, it's the United States and they're always number one. And of course they're number one now, but it's something very interesting happened. Number two is no longer the UK. What is that? It's now Afghanistan. What? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what to make of that. That is curious. Is someone behind 900 proxies? Is that what's going on? Is there some sort of hacker using some sort of strange device that's sending that IP address out there? Isn't that curious? But yeah, someone from Afghanistan has been putting in the the hours here. Must have listened to that idiot interview. Well, it hasn't been replayed here in a while, but they've been tuned in for a while now. And, of course, number three is the U.K. And followed by Norway, that's also kind of random. Never mm-hmm. imagined the show to be listened to in Norway. And then followed by that is Germany. That's kind of cool, too. And then comes Pakistan. What? Again, <laughs> random, random, wow. random. You know, I mean... There's some cool folks in Pakistan, actually, that I've met. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get this idea like it's all crazies over there or something. But there's, like, you know, regular people living in Pakistan. Some of them like stuff like this. And then there's number seven is unknown. (laughs) There's no location for them. Oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know who that is. And then, of course, it's Canada next. Hmm. Canada has really fallen off here. I think I might have lost all of the Canadians. You offended them all. I might have, and you know, that's completely possible. But the Canadians oh, are wow. gone. They're slowly drifting off. Hmm. Yeah, and then number nine is India. Of course. Then, of course, number hmm. ten is Australia. I thought they'd be a little higher. You would think, huh? Yeah, me too. But that's those are the countries there that have been spending their evenings with me here, which is interesting. It's always cool to go and look at those little numbers, those statistics. Always fascinating to see who's tuned in. But those were the, the recent numbers, folks. So let's carry forward here with the list here. All right. Go ahead. Can I, I can enter my number two? Yes, you can. Can you do the triggered thing as an introduction to this one? <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me find that. Thing? One second. Like as like a drum roll. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. Let me find okay. that here. Triggered. Jesus, okay. I can't find it. <laughs> wait, oh, that wait. was you. I found it. I found it. Okay, do it. All right, here we go. Triggered. Triggered. Where is it? Triggered. You can't hear that? I couldn't hear it, but I'm sure it's there. So. Yeah, it was playing. I think that happens with the triggered thing. People can't hear it, but it's there. It's there. Okay. Don't worry. Okay, good. So, my number 2 is Triggered. Really? I'm putting mm. him on the list. He's out of shape. Very much so. Uh, yeah, and, and you he's know and he's always pissed. And you know, I think, I think he uses a lot of oxygen. And at a certain point, <laughs> triggered. I think this is the way I understand it. God decides that you've used enough and he says, Hey, it's somebody else's turn. So I just think it might be this year. God makes that call for Rush Limbaugh. You might be right. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I'm not, Indeed. yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going to happen, but anything is possible as you two both know very well. Indeed. Yes. By so, the way, do you, triggered. Do you recall that woman, Jocelyn, um, what's her name? I'm forgetting her, her last name. She was also known as the Catwoman. Yeah. 
Is it her name's like Jocelyn Wildenstein? What? She had all sorts of like plastic surgery. Oh, did I just see something on the internet about that? She was arrested for slashing her boyfriend, I guess. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and she did not look good. Have you seen photos of that woman? Yeah, all those botched surgeries she's had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's her name, right? Jocelyn Wildenstein, right? I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I know cl- who you're talking about. I'm not clicking anything here, but that's a name. Wildenstein. Um, that's that's <laughs> the woman with with the cat woman face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember with seeing something. Yeah. Uh, she just she just popped in my head. Is she someone who's gonna check out? Huh. <laughs> you might. We might find her in a bathtub hmm. after she took multiple. Are you gonna oxys? put her on your list? Is she a celebrity, really, or is she just a random? She's kind of a celebrity. Okay. She was hmm. she was a, a while back. And she hmm. slashed her husband, huh, or something? Yeah, at that hmm. at that uh, Trump World Tower, those apartments there. Oh God, um, maybe. Now that now that you mention that, it just sort of sounds like, oh yeah, maybe. A disaster waiting to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's so crass. So wrong. <laughs> this has been so bad, poor taste. I can't believe you people. Oh, whatever. I can't grab them by the pussy. I can't take it. <laughs> I am disgusted. Can't take it. Are you cutting me off at two? No, no. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So for number three and four, I have to kind of explain them as a set. Oh, go ahead. So I I believe in equality. So I wanted to make sure I had women on my list, right? That's right. Um, so I and and they weren't really coming to me. I wasn't getting any ideas. So I you know I'm psychic. So I kind of like tried to tune in and be like, hmm, what do I get? And I kept getting Rose. It's somebody with a Rose name, either like Rosie, Roseanne, Rosie, Rose Roseanne. And I was like, no, well I didn't get her. Um, I actually sort of like focused in on Rosie O'Donnell and Roseanne <laughs> Barr. Wow. So those are my entrance to the list. I just have this feeling like Rosie O'Donnell has been un, like sort of unbalanced and unsettled for so, so long. And eventually I think that takes you down, you know? So God bless her. I could see but, her having an overdose. Yeah, or something. Are most of these people on some kind of prescription medication? Oh, I'm sure they're on a lot, right? Yeah. We don't. They got to be like uh, on antidepressants and. And some look sort how of many of them go down. Look how many celebrities go down in that fashion. Yep. Yeah, so, they claim they so, they are exhausted and so forth and so forth. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what took China down, wasn't it? I think so, but she <laughs> was on drugs. Was. I think she was. Speaking of China, that reminds me of my next one, Roseanne Barr. I'll explain why China in a minute. Go ahead, Roseanne Barr. I looked at pictures of her on Google Pictures, and she actually looks really vibrant and like happy with her older years. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, maybe not her. But then I looked at her Twitter. And she is just incoherent and like telling people to fuck off who like weren't even talking to her and all sorts of weird stuff. I couldn't even make out what she was saying half the time. So, Mm -hmm. and the the last person I saw to have a Twitter that incoherent was dear China right before she died. They've been drinking. Yeah. mm. That's the alcohol talking. Yeah. Mm. Yep. I'm just making assumptions here, but that's what I'm. <laughs> um, that's my that's my hypothesis. Uh, hypothesis. Well, it's the something Sorry. talking. Yeah. Some such something substance is talking. I'm I'm thinking it is. There's some yeah. sort of uh, chemical imbalance there. Truly. Yep. Indeed. Go ahead. Next. Okay. So this is number five, and this is number the one five. that I announced with a heavy heart. Okay. Uh oh. I definitely do not want this one to die, but he's actually the most realistic one on my list. I think. 
and that is Ric Flair. Oh, no. I mean, I'm sad to say it. The nature boy. Nature boy Ric Flair. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, you know, he's sort of getting toward the end because we know wrestlers have a shortened lifespan, like almost universally. They do not live as long as normal people. Um, And he's a drunk and, you know, he used to swagger around and now he sort of stumbles around and he's always mm. slurring his words, even when he's on law. Yeah, he's he just is. like slurring. So yeah, something's wrong. I don't know. Yeah. And he's taken so many bumps and I, you know, his skin looks like not not a healthy skin situation, too. So didn't one of his sons die of an overdose, too? Yes, oh. that's <laughs> right. Oh, no. Well, so. we'll find out what happens uh, coming the coming year here. Well, I hope I'm wrong on that 2017 one, here. I don't know. Just around the corner. Yeah, it could yeah. be a fascinating year. I think so. We we might see more of our heroes go down. Yeah, there's there's always a few surprises. Yeah, most of these people on my list, they're, they're people I like, to be honest with you, except a few there. <laughs> Except the ones you don't. Yeah, except those, <laughs> and and there's a star around those. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. So that's my list. I brought five. You know, as archaic as this is, I I do want to bring up the fact that I do plan to to uh, pre-record a number of shows that I want to definitely be definitely be played after my death. Ooh. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna start. Cool. I'm gonna start working on that slowly. Oh, that's a good project. Yeah. You're gonna be one of those people. Definitely. <laughs> there's gonna be there's gonna be some um, little bit of a treasure there. Yeah. Since this is the place where gold falls from the sky. Will it include thank yous or will it be more of a cynical message? Well, you know I'm a complex human being, so there's gonna be both. <laughs> There's going to be lots of dancing on graves while I am in the grave. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, right? I've never been dead. Sure, we'll meet in the afterlife somewhere. <laughs> you feel that's kind of like a, a gnomon, though? If you if you go that route, is it, does it make the years kind of diminish off the clock there? Mm, I don't think so. I've always thought about death, even in my younger years. Gosh. Sure, it's something that I could never ignore. Yeah, it's creepy. Memento Mori. <laughs> that's um how i feel to be honest with you yeah so continue forward with that glorious list of names my list that was it i remember i only brought five. Oh, you only brought five i thought we yeah. had a few more i could probably name about five okay yeah, go ahead max. max turning the yeah. show over to max now here see that's this is a challenging one here it is I really have, this is it's kind of an interesting it's okay it's a good exercise in thought, right? It is. Yeah. This is for it the is. active imaginations. The thing is, there's always a few surprises that happen, especially the young ones who OD or something tragic happens to them. What about Jared from Subway? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that might know. be self-inflicted. Yeah. yeah, I could see him hanging himself. Or somebody yeah. else doing a man. Yeah. Exactly. That's possible. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. That's easy. Uh, well. We'll just leave that. We'll, I'll leave that go. You could add George Zimmerman to that list too. Ooh, I'll that, be in, I'll that guy's been playing. Might with, do him in list. <laughs> that guy's been playing with fire lately. Yeah, somebody yeah. might do him in. Yeah, that dude's gonna get shot. My opinion. <laughs> They're gonna shoot that guy. Yeah, surprising. Nothing has happened to him yet. I'm a little thrown back by that, but 
he's he's been getting brave every time he goes out to a bar. Uh, he gets pretty mouthy. Yeah, so, what the heck? I don't know. That guy's lost. Yeah. That guy's gonna get himself. He's gonna get himself into something he can't get out of one day. I truly believe yeah. that. He's not wise. Nah, not at all. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's out there. Throws himself out there a little too much. So definitely worried about him. Any other names, Max? Oh, actually, uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I think I don't know. He might do something crazy. In fact, I think I read something recently or heard it on. Some channel where he was driving down a one-way road here in L.A. and they, oh, I mean, an opposite shit. direction on the freeway, actually. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that. Yeah. That so, makes sense now. Yeah, he's he's a little interesting. I would say Amanda Bynes. Ooh. Mm. I like her. Yes. Yeah. I like her. She was she was great when I was growing up. <laughs> she, had all those, she had all those cool gigs. Uh, yeah, she was great when you were growing up. I know what that means. Yeah, now she's kind of, she's kind of just nuts now. Mm-hmm. How about, uh, Nick Nolte? Oh, really? Ooh, yeah. That sounds like a good pick. That is, yeah, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that's a pretty good pick. He's a, an interesting, the one that I really love, an actor that I hope this isn't true, is, uh, Michael Caine. What makes you say that? Is he well, sick or something? He's up there. You know, he's getting older and, I've seen him in a few interviews and he's been easily. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's been kind of out of it. Actually, I saw him working Freeman doing that too. He didn't look too good either, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. He's getting kind of old there. We can't lose Eddie Morgan White. Freeman. Come on. Yeah. He's, oh God, we can't lose him. That would suck. Oh, Betty no. White is, is she still alive? Yeah. She's, I think she she's is. Still, wow. I believe so. Yeah. I might have put her on my list had I somehow I thought she already died. Yeah. Hmm. She's like 90s, like 90 something. Oh my goodness. And I bet yeah, she's 90, still sassy. 94, 95. She probably like is. Mm-hmm. Most likely. I would say Hugh Hefner, but I think he's had so much sex that he might live till he's like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's empowered him, you think? I think it has. I, it does. I, 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 I don't know. I, when you, when you have pretty much a, uh, your own brothel, I, I just, jeez. Uh, I thought they were losing money out there, by the way. Yeah. yeah, I think he sold it now recently or something like that, too. Oh, okay. Well, that that would make sense. I'm not yeah. exactly sure what's going on with them out there. Yeah, he's a unique character. How about uh, James Earl Jones? He's getting old. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, Lots he's got those commercials. He's done any commercials in a while, I don't believe. I mean, he used to do a lot of them, Verizon ones, I think. Or so one of those, one of those cell phone carriers used to do a bunch of commercials, but. Or was it, uh, maybe it was insurance. I don't know. I lose track of these things, but, uh, someone else, Ian uh, McKellen. I'm surprised he's still alive too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's another. Can't argue with that. Hey, here's a question. Hmm. If we have any hits, right? Like let's say next week, one of them drops dead. Are we going to feel bad hmm. that we did this? Good question. Are we going to feel like, oh man, <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. No, I think. Or, well, or are we just going to feel like, ah, we were right. <laughs> I think we're just going to say, well, we called it. <laughs> yeah, that's a toast moment right there. I think we yeah, just right. cynical as ever. Just go all Anthony, out. High five. I guess toast we'll just start. drink a little wine when that happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of uh, perhaps doing the segment after I drank a beer or two during the the program, but um, you know, things got a little hectic back here, so I couldn't really follow up with that plan. But 
I'm thinking about doing a show where all of us are, are probably drinking a beer or two. I like that. Yeah, and, and in terms of um, a great success, a great start to the program here. Oh, yes. A like great a start. Thing, huh? a, yeah, a great start to many beautiful times to come, many great mm-hmm. years to come that are underway. New beginnings. Definitely. And, of yes. course, there were lots of hurdles that I had to overcome, as both of you know quite well. Mm-hmm. Since both of you have been following the program for such a long time, you both know very well there's been lots of hurdles here, and I've, I've been jumping them continuously here. Yeah. Nonstop. Mm-hmm. Lots of people have been trying to stop me, as you know, and it seems like they really can't. What's meant to be is meant to be. Can't you just really push through. Got to push through and can't really stop the momentum here. Mm-hmm. And I did have a question for both of you here, and mm-hmm. I'll start with you, Max. Max, is there anyone in mind that you would like to have appear here on the program? Well, that is a good one. Um, maybe, maybe we could talk about topics. Uh, let's, see. I'd love for you to have more individuals that are connected to the space community. I think that are on the cutting edge, uh, what's happening, uh, really in space, uh, because I, I really love those kinds of conversations. That's for sure. So that can be arranged. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so that's, that's always interesting. Um, Hmm. Hmm. What else? I, I really love those space conversations. I, I do. I, it's so hard to get the information out of people, though. They are always afraid to talk, but I feel like people have information that really needs to be shared or there's people out there that want to share information, but maybe they just don't have a vehicle to do that. So yeah, that's I, true. That's true at yeah. times. So yeah, that's a, I'd have to give that some thought. So, Unique question. I, I'd love to have another opportunity to answer that question because, uh, there's a lot of good folks out there that I think would really love the opportunity to come on your show and to chat it up. So yeah, can I, can I, uh, take a, uh, a rain shack on oh, that? Of because course. Yeah. That's a, it's a, yeah, I have to think about that one. I'd, I'd want to recommend folks that I know, uh, are somewhat credible and also that have a lot to say or something unique and interesting to say. So definitely, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a number of guests who will be appearing here, uh, next year. And I I think there's a few of those conversations that will be here. So I got you covered, Max. Don't worry. Nice. I also want to get Rupert Sheldrake on here. Mm. He's not the, um, Michael's not the first guest who, who brought up Rupert before. So I, I'm going to consider that a sign. Nice, that would be great. Got to consider getting him on the program. Yeah. So I'm going to send him an email here. Yeah. What about you, Andrea? You know, I also don't have names ready, but I think thought it was cool when you had like a whistleblower on, you know, like strange whistleblowers of different things. Sure. That is super cool. Mm, you see any yeah. of those about. Yeah, and we also, got that too. Have you ever had a numerologist on? Yeah. That's I'm not quite sure. Because, I I you know, have. I know you're not into astrology. Uh, of all well, those ologies, numerology is probably the one you look at and you think, now that is just super crackpot. Like, that know, just can't even be true. But in, but they, a good one just nails it left and right. Like, you know, my, my stance has kind of shifted, by the way. Yeah. I kind of see the importance of astrology now. 
Well, cool. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it kind of shifted a little bit, a little bit there. Yeah. Well, if that is the case, you know, I love this guy, David Palmer. Yeah, he's actually a, a name that's been suggested before by others. So. Yeah, cool. So, and, and he's a club DJ too, so he's interesting. No, oh, yeah. You know? Also, He's a different sort of guy. I want to remind all of you out there that Tuesday, December 20th at 6.30 p.m., there will be a show. That will be the Christmas edition of the program. Nice. So once again, I do hope both of you call in. I hope everyone out there gets a chance to call in. We'll be talking nice. about basically everything under the sun here. But of course... By the way, mm-hmm. can, can I add something to your to the suggestion before you, before you switch? Go ahead. Uh, to piggyback um, what Andrew said. Uh, but in a different direction, how about a hypnotist or somebody who, um, it's a magic too, as well. Uh, I've always found magic fascinating, uh, too, as well, to a certain degree. I don't know how real some of it is, you know, it's, it's always been unique, uh, just the whole illusion thing, but, uh, but a hypnotist would be very interesting. I've always That's a good been, idea. I think that could be arranged. Cool. Cool. Sorry to interrupt you there. I just no, have to throw okay. that in so that you remember. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I know you got a lot on your plate, so I had to throw that in. Yeah, I remember. Don't worry. I definitely have to make a list of of some of these topics and subjects, but I'm sure I'll remember once I go back and edit this program to write some of those things down. But yes, December twentieth on Tuesday, six thirty p.m. There will be a show. Love that. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. A very good time. Oh, be- it's cool that you have week shows, weekday shows. I really appreciate those shows. They're sometimes a little shorter format, but I wanted to say hats off to you for having those types of shows and also hats off for asking us for our input too as well. I think that's uh, pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think some people enjoy those weekday shows. Some people want them to start a little bit later though. Some people don't want them to be at around 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, you know, that sort of format. Some Mm -hmm. people want things a little later, so... Just going to be experimenting with that, you know, flirting with different ideas, different time slots. Yeah. Seeing what people like more because, you know, not everyone can listen to this live. Yeah, true. So if I can but, find a date that will work for everyone, I'm, I'm more than down to get it started. Like a hmm. weekday show? Yeah. Yeah, like a regular slot. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm not exactly ru- ruling it out at all. Very good. I've been having a great time doing it during the week, so maybe something could be arranged. Mm-hmm. If it's worth it, we'll find out. Rockin'. Yes. I also want to remind those that are just tuning in now, you can catch the show at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's live on the TuneIn Radio app. You can also go to YouTube and find this and hit subscribe on the channel. I believe you can type in end of days and and just hit EOD and you'll find this program there. So for those who didn't know, there you go. I hope that helps. You'll find this a little bit quicker if you're on YouTube or if you go to endofdaysradio.org, you'll find the show there too. And of course, iTunes and Stitcher, that whole issue will definitely be resolved as soon as I can get it going here. I haven't had much time to work on the website. been kind of busy, so I'll be taking care of that. And I do want to thank you, Max, for being here. Oh, absolutely. I It was a pleasure hanging out with you, too. And, uh, yeah, good stuff. It's 
been a fun time as always. So it's been a great time. Have a wonderful rest of the evening here and weekend for that matter. Yeah. Thanks, Max. You too, Max. Enjoy. All right, Max. Take care. All right. We'll see you. Good night. And Andrea, I do want to leave you with the final word here before final word. we check out. Well, thank you for letting me do something in such bad taste for like a nice end of the year and and for a prosperous start of the new year. Well, I thought it was Calling fun. out death. It's right up my alley. It wasn't that <laughs> bad, right? I don't know. You're the one who says that everybody gets so offended. I'm just off in La La Land. People were offended. But a Man. lot of people were entertained too at the same time. Well, good. Yeah, good, it was good. It was great to talk to you. Uh, yeah, it was great to talk to you too. I just don't want you to feel that it was in such bad taste that everyone hated it. That's not the case at all. No, because really deep down they love it. They just can't cope with it. Lots of people so. actually enjoyed it. They're they're just not good. Some people aren't admitting it, but a lot of people actually are. I, yeah. You know, for some reason, I get a lot of email responses. <laughs> they don't. They don't go to the chat room. They don't go on Twitter. They'll just send me an email. I see. I wonder why though. Why can't they just call in? <laughs> why are you so scared? Oh, but they're too triggered. I know you're out there somewhere. Don't hide. They're too triggered and they're scared. I don't get it. I welcome Bless everyone them. with open arms on this program. Everyone. Yet. <laughs> They're so scared to call in. Hmm. Well, it's okay, right? Yeah, it's cool. It just blows my mind, that's all. Yeah. Well. All right, well, it was great talking to you. Have a nice night. Yeah, it was amazing talking to you, talking to Max, talking to Michael Cremo. I thank yeah. all of you for appearing here on the program. It's been fun. Yes. All right. So I'll right. talk to you later. Yes. Take care and keep listening. Will do. God bless. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was Andrea, folks. I hope all of you enjoyed the show. It was a bit of a rattlesnake ride. Yeah, I agree. A little tasteless, a little crass. That's going to happen every now and then here on the show. We'll find out. We'll find out what happens here. We'll see the response to this episode in that last segment you heard. I'm never shy of doing something different. As you know, this is a different kind of show. It truly is. So I do want to thank you all for being here. It's been fun. And we'll do this again next week. Linda Godfrey is going to be here. That is going to be a great time. Don't miss it. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. I'm not that way, I'm a Christian. Oh, my. Yeah. Not about a bad school. Yeah. Not about a bad school. <laughs> you mentioned the Illuminati, and we've got going to be behind them, but the Illuminati certainly is part of the whole thing. But the top members of the Illuminati are open Bush. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me like bullshit. Like, you can just see it. It's clear. <laughs> How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Hogan right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this should have existed before 726. Oh, Granny. I like Granny. I'm going to keep you real. A lot of good content. A lot of, a lot of cool topics. You know, I, I feel, you know, fortunate to have an opportunity to speak to you guys tonight. Yeah.